they said do an SNL entrance. I don't think I don't think we've reached the lowbrow status enough to do an SNL entrance. Have we? No. There's no way. Have we made it there? Well. Broadcasting live from Jonesboro, Arkansas, in Booker's Dungeon of Love and Pain. Please welcome Gay Booker in the Dungeon for Saturday Night Real Podcast with Gay Booker. It's gonna be a bloodbath. Settle down, settle down, settle down now. Calm down. All right. My uh, first two guests that I had for the evening, one of them combust and the other one disintegrated. I don't know the difference, but we're going to run with that they're different. All right, folks. I have cracked open my can of the godly nectar Red Bull. i tell you one thing. I like Red Bull. If you want to pay the real podcast with Cade Booker in any sort of currency... We accept Red Bull. I'd like Red Bull to sponsor my college um, degree. That would be pretty freaking sweet. All right. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Real Problem with Cade Booker. I am your host, not Cade Booker. Psych. Gotcha. I am Cade Booker. And this is episode three, a solo Cade special with rotten tomatoes all over you. And can we cue the intro music now, please? sure is starting to sound rougher and rougher each week in that beginning monologue. Nevertheless, we are back here at The Real Problem with Cade Booker. Today, with all of the uh, victims who have escaped Booker's dungeon of love and pain, we are going to do a solo special. This just in from corporate headquarters, we're not supposed to call the guests victims anymore. Duly noted. Back to the programming. So, with this special episode, what I'm going to do is, as I sit in the lonely dungeon, I will pick three of my utmost favorite all-time movies, and I will go through the Rotten Tomatoes critique, as well as a score with it, and then give it my own good critique, since I'm well biased enough to give it a good one. Now, for those of you who don't know how Rotten Tomatoes works, Rotten Tomatoes is a movie critic site where... They offer two different scores, the first of which 
being the critic score, which will be with the, the select few critics who get to go and enjoy the movie before its release date, along with its certified score, which comes out after the fact from all of the rest of the viewers. Now, those scores can always vary. Normally, they'll fluctuate right around the 50 to 80 range, with anything going above or below being exceptionally uh, interesting movie. So, without further ado, I will get us on into the first segment of the show. Alright, no more lollygagging. I'm going to slide us on into our first segment. Segment number one of the evening is a 2012 film that I love personally, one of my favorites. A western action movie that goes by the name of Django Unchained. Django Unchained is from director Quentin Tarantino, who I am a huge fan of. Quentin Tarantino was able to pull in with this movie Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, and multiple other A-list celebrity names. The movie's description, as per Google, goes as two years before the Civil War, Django, played by Jamie Foxx, a slave, finds himself accompanied by an unorthodox German bounty hunter named Dr. King Schultz, played by Christoph Watts, who is on a mission to capture the vicious Brittle Brothers. Their mission successful, Schultz frees Django, and together they hunt the South's most wanted criminals. Their travels take them to the infamous plantation of a shady Calvin Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, where Django's long-lost wife, played by Kerry Washington, is still held as a slave. Now, if we are to look at Django Unchained's Rotten Tomatoes score, it was scored originally in 2012 with a tomato meter, which is the critic review, of 87%, followed by an audience score of 91%. The consensus among all of the critics and top audience members came to a bloody, bold, and stylistically daring Django Unchained is another incendiary masterpiece from director Quentin Tarantino. Now, from based from my own knowledge, I would like to say that nearly anything from director Quentin Tarantino is a wonderful film. A personal favorite of mine, one would say Pulp Fiction, and definitely a 17-year-old Cade Booker would have. However, now I have much more appreciation for the movie Reservoir Dogs. The movie itself took place in one diner and one warehouse. Um, two non-even prepared sets were made for the movie. No names were actually given throughout the course of it. Just a wonderful flick, in my opinion. Reservoir Dogs, without any major spoilers there. Now, as back to Django Unchained, for 87%, that's an awfully high rating, and I definitely feel that the movie deserves it. Jamie Foxx's portrayal of Django goes from that of a beaten man who is enduring some of the worst things that one could ever imagine or has imagined in history to nearly a superhero. I would definitely say he could give Spider-Man and or Iron Man a run for their money. I will say Django is, he has such powers that he was even able to cross multiverses into Seth MacFarlane's A Million Ways to Die in the West as a special cameo. So th there's that as well. 
So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's rank Django Unchained here on the uh, Bookerometer. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's got four out of five bookers for here. I uh, have no complaints as far as Django Unchained, one of my favorite movies of all time. That's four out of five bookers on Django Unchained right there, folks. Now, uh, I've taken the personal liberty of going through and collecting some fun facts about the movies themselves just to slap you guys right there in the face at the end of it before we get to the next one. Just a nice little surprise. So, Django Unchained. Fun facts. Here we go. Number one fun fact. It is most the most profitable Quentin Tarantino movie that he ever has made so far, raking in $425.4 million in box office sales with only a $100 million budget, so literally quadrupling it. Now, inside of said movie, slight spoiler warning, there's a scene where DiCaprio is interrogating Django and his friends at a dinner table, and uh, really just laying in on him, just really being just a, a douche nozzle, not being the cool guy. So uh, DiCaprio, real actor in the scene, bre er, breaks a glass and shatters glass all over the table and gashes his hand open. Uh, he continues to profusely bleed out of this hand and not break character and not break scene for over seven minutes while flinging blood and touching people and smearing it across foreheads and uh, stayed entirely committed throughout the whole thing, which I respect it, but I also question the 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 fear. I would like to because you can whenever you watch the scene, you know that this really happened. This guy really cut his hand, and these people really watched him not break character, nor did they break character, and just say, "Oh wow, we're we're going with this." Okay, and um, the sheer fear of that there. It, Maybe, maybe not even fear is the right word. We'll get back with the right word. Continuing on with the Django Unchained fun facts. Django Unchained was able to stay in theaters for 143 days, which is more than many movies even could ever dream to stay in theaters. It also was able to garner five Academy nominations, along with Christoph Waltz winning one for Best Supporting Lead. Alright, now let's slide on in to Fight Club. As always, I'll give a nice little detailed rundown at the beginning, give a synopsis for those of you who haven't seen it, which, before watching this podcast, you should definitely leave right now, go find and or buy Fight Club on Blu-ray DVD, and watch it, and then watch it a second time, and then contemplate it, for a few hours and then take a nap and then get back up and then watch it a third time because Fight Club is that good of a movie and every single time you watch it you will find a new tidbit that you did not realize the previous time that always blows my mind considering I've seen it upwards of 20 times at this point. As always I'll give a quick rundown at the beginning here. A depressed man, played by Edward Norton, suffering from insomnia, meets a strange soap salesman named Tyler Durden, played by Brad Pitt, and soon finds himself living in his squalid house after his perfect apartment is destroyed. The two bored men form an underground fight club with strict rules and fight other men who are fed up with their mundane lives. Their perfect partnership phrase when Marla Singer, Helena Bonham Carter, played by, excuse me, Helena Bonham Carter, 
a fellow support group crasher attracts Tyler's attention. Now, let me get here. The Tomato Meter, which is the critic review, at a 79%, whereas merely a month later, along with the audience score, we raked in a 96% fresh. Now, I will say... I will say 79, that hurts. That, that slightly hurts. Because this is definitely a top, definitely top five favorite movie of all time. And as I said, I recommend to watch it because the more times you watch it, the more little fun thing. I Just for no spoilers, I really won't say it any more than that. Just watch the movie. All right. 1999. It's a drama, mystery, and thriller. Two hours and 19 minutes. Uh, critic consensus on this movie was solid acting, amazing direction, and elaborate production design make Fight Club a wild ride. Man, that's an understatement of all accounts. But you know what? We'll go with it. That's fair. That's fair. So I got a couple of Fight Club fun facts prepared for you guys right now. So uh, let's go ahead and slide into them. First off on the Fight Club fun facts, Fight Club garnered between... 1999 and its release, and now, the year 2021, $100.9 million global box office. Now, it had a $63 million budget to begin with, whereas when, upon its release and its following months, it didn't even hit its box office sales. It was initially a flop of a movie. It was initially not, not the cult classic that it is today. With the 96% coming in the later years, upon everybody form into a cult classic or I guess lumping it into a category see it on the top 10 most classic cults on YouTube or search to uh, type in there into YouTube but continue on and I digress I digress now fun fun fact here fun 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 fact all right buckle in ladies and gentlemen everyone sit back put your seatbelts on (coughs) excuse me get that burp out of the way Marla Singer, the Marla Singer situation, shall we call it the Marla Singer episode? Marla Singer is a character in the movie played by Helena Bowman, and Marla Singer is the name from the original book, from Chuck Chuck Falinock's book, Fight Club, as you would guess. Now, in the United States, when you are producing and creating a movie, If you were to come up with a movie and you have a character, in this situation, Marla Singer, if there's another person in the world who shares that name that is in the continental United States, as long as it's more than one person, you can use that name. Because then if the person were to attempt to sue you, the rights could say, oh, well, we're not necessarily just talking about you. It could be another Marla Singer. It could be someone else. Now, in the case of Fight Club with Marla Singer, said her name way too many times. It doesn't have much meaning anymore, does it? But there was only one. There was, at the time of creating Fight Club, in the continental United States of America, only one person named Marla Singer was alive and documented and, Lord, reached out to. This one person did eventually give away rights to them to be able to use the name in the movie because uh, the character, if you're familiar with the movie, she is a little rougher around the edges. I can understand why. I would definitely not want to be compared to Marla Singer from the movie. Um, there's the, the, there's an infamous line in there. 
I'm going to let it get in this. I think if you guys have hung in here and listened to me ramble this long, that you deserve me to tell you the line. Uh, an infamous line from Marla Singer, both in the novel and in the movie. I'll only give the novel version, but uh, she lays beside Brad Pitt and inhales her nice marble red non-menthol cigarette. Says, man, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. Mm, cut. All right. Wrap it up. We're, we're getting canceled here, boys. This is it. Got your resumes? Got, okay, got your coat? Okay. All right, cool. Okay. Okay, we're out of here. Okay. All right, and we are back. It appears that we have not been cancel culture just yet, but we are working on thin ice here, boys and girls. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up with my favorite quote from Fight Club. All right. All right. Favorite Fight Club quote. Nine times out of ten, it's an electric razor, but every once in a while, it's a dildo. Now, it's an indefinite article of dildo. Never your dildo, but a dildo. All right, if we're still hanging in there from there, I hope you guys are ready for the next one. We're going to slide on through, boys and girls. This is fun. Hope we've all enjoyed ourselves this evening. Next movie on the roster to talk about one of my utmost favorites, and I've already previously discussed it in past episodes, so I sure hope that by this point in time, everyone has gotten the bright idea to go to Disney Plus and watch Avengers Infinity War. Because if you're looking for a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that it just truly encompasses all aspects of all the characters and brings together all just the, the, the nice little things that we've picked up since, well, Speaking from personal account, I was but a wee boy, but 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 a wee lad, but a a seven year old who had a nice Iron Man shirt on when going to see Iron Man. So, Iron Avent, Iron Man Avengers Infinity War. So, a couple little quick fun facts. We're gonna go with fun facts out the gate on this one, just because this really sets the scope for what a huge effing movie Infinity War was. Effing, that's not the right word. So we're going to start with the fun facts right out the gate on this one on Avengers Infinity War because it's just one of the uh, the biggest bangers that we had on the list. So it brought in global box office of $2.048 billion. That's a B. Yes, Dr. Evil with a B. All right. Along with starting with a $400 million budget. It is director Anthony and Joe Russo's fifth movie, along with them being a part of Avengers Endgame, which set up, or which this movie is setting up. Avengers Endgame, I'm sure I don't need to have to brag about it to any of you, but it broke every record on hand in the history of movies, okay? If you want to come up with a movie that had a higher grossing box office score right out of the gate, 
you cannot come up with one because guess what? It is Avengers Endgame. They broke the scales, they broke the records, and they they, they did the thing. Me personally, Avengers Endgame, that's it. It would be on my top three three favorite list if it met the mark I needed it to. Infinity War meets that mark. So Infinity War. I'm not going to pull up the synopsis for it since I watched it earlier this evening in IMAX on my television on Disney+. Plus. Now, Avengers Infinity War begins with us picking up from the events of uh, Thor 3 Ragnarok, where um, Thor and Loki and all the rest of the Asgardians are on a rescue vessel going off wherever the hell in space, just away from their destroyed planet. And we pick up with our villain. We start with our villain, and really, throughout Infinity War, it's not an Avengers movie, and it's not an Iron Man or a Captain America movie. It's a Thanos movie. We're following Thanos, Josh Brolin's Thanos, the entire time. He is mostly our center stage core subject. Whether or not he's even on the screen, it is who we are worried about the entirety of this movie. We pick up in New York City with our protagonists, Iron Man, Robert Downing Jr., uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange buddy Wong, uh, Bruce Banner, turning back from Hulk form after being blasted out of the Asgardian ship, falling back to Earth, and the four of them begin to fight some aliens, all right? They're not having a good old time with it. Some um, alien destruction senses our boy Tom Holland Spider-Man to hop on out of the bus and come save the day, Spider-Man-like. And the gang ends up getting trapped inside of an alien ship trying to save Doctor Strange from the aliens. You guessed it. And the pair of them end up going off on their whole separate side adventure off into the uh, the nether the nether underbelly of the cosmos. And we pick up with uh, Bruce Banner getting with Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanov and the rest of our Earthbound creatures to prepare for an imminent war. Now, as all of this nerdy, jolly shit that I just regurgitated to you, I would like to say that that doesn't matter. We're also following a power-hungry, giant purple guy who is getting the most powerful objects that are in the known universe to destroy half of it and um my main topic on topics of thanos is his morality behind it because thanos isn't here he's not doing this out of hatred nor is he doing this out of uh power control he's doing this out of what he sees as necessity seeing as his home world ended up having the same issues and same same uh, loss of resources and poverty and starvation, and he feels that this is the only way to justifiably make the world right, by indiscriminately killing half of everything. Maybe if I was Thanos, maybe that is a good option. Half of everything? Eh. Man. That's a tough one. You know, they never necessarily specify whether Thanos himself could have been one that would have been also dusted. So that could have been fun if it would have been uh, like, you know, jokes on you situation. He snaps and then immediately he's the first one to dust. Like, ah, rats. Got me. I think Thanos is just a very interesting villain. Out of uh, all of the cinematic universe, I find he's one of the best to talk about with his moral reasoning behind wanting to dust everyone with the blip. 
big spoiler for the ending there if you haven't watched this movie. Once more on the spoiler warning, Thanos finally succeeds throughout all of the uh, heroes plotting and foiling and toiling and gets the stones, and he succeeds in destroying half of the universe. We get to see half of all of our favorite heroes we've seen for, you know, 12, 13 plus years get uh, just entirely disintegrated before our eyes. Get a nice big grin smile from a big old purple man farming in his nice little hut. Roll credits. Let all the nerds cry to sleep tonight, boys. This is this is a bad night for us. This is not what we wanted. But you know what? It's what we got. And damn it if I don't respect the hell out of that. I think Avengers Infinity War is one of the most top-tier Marvel movies that Marvel has ever backed behind and put out just because we didn't get the happy-go-lucky ending that everyone's used to. We got the sad, the the absolute worst possible outcome that our heroes were afraid of. Oh, it happened. Oh, and it happened, and it absolutely wrecked everyone. And now, after that, we have come out the other side with entirely different characters from that movie. Following into Endgame, we see a smart Hulk who has had to reconcile uh, with Bruce Bruce Banner and the Hulk end up having to uh, kind of get buddy-buddy and they have to become pals after Hulk gets his shit rocked by Thanos in Infinity War. We see uh, Bruce Banner finally able to have some brawn. We see... Ooh... We see Hawkeye, who becomes a vicious assassin because of the death of his family. We see an Ant-Man who's utterly confused because he's been trapped in a van with a rat for about eight years. And um, yeah, we, we, we Infinity War sets us up to where we get an ultimate conclusion for, for all of the, the different emotional turmoils that we've seen all of these characters we've cared about got put through. Along with, you know, big spoiler, I guess, for Endgame, if you haven't seen that, which... Christ, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, I have no idea why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't kept up with my track record so far. But um, everyone gets to come back. Of course they came back. Tom Holland had another Spider-Man movie and another uh, multi-person deal. Doctor Strange had Doctor Strange 2 and Multiverse like Madness confirmed. The Ant-Man and the Wasp Part 3 or whatever the hell's coming. How the... He's like... Obviously, they're coming back. However, the fact that they were gone itself was fine with me because, Lord, we all got the sad ending. And uh, maybe sometimes that's what you need. You need to be thrown off a little bit. I guess unlike, you know, a scary movie, not very unlike a scary movie having comedic relief. Alright. Well... Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, humans and lizard people, I sure do hope that you have enjoyed this 32 minutes some odd of Rambling Cade. This has been uh, Rotten Tomatoes with Rambling Booker in the Dungeon of Love and Pain on The Real Problem. Wow, I'm glad that wasn't the title. Oh, you thought this was done? It's never done here at Real Problem, okay? 
this is that special moment for those lucky folks who stay behind for the end tidbit, end credit scenes. This is it. This is your shining moment in life. All right. Every time other people have left the theater and you stayed behind, this makes up for it because you stayed behind for the end credit scene. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not going anywhere. We're always here 24 7, 365, 368. We go the extra mile. Anyways, what I jumped back in here into Booker's Dungeon of Love and Pain just to tell you folks is. Stay tuned next week for our special episode where we talk Adam Sandler, Christopher Nolan, the dynamic duo that we need, along with, eventually, we are going to do, next week after that, our Christmas special. The special fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la episode at The Real Problem. So, ladies and gentlemen, please... Stay tuned in the next preceding weeks for more content, more fun, and I will develop by the end of season one a special catchphrase to use at the end of these episodes. But uh, for the time being, we're going to recite the um, CEO entrepreneur born in 1964, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos.